My name's Simon Baldock, and this podcast is called Tales from a Very Minor Celebrity. It's the story of how I conquered my insecurities and shyness and went on to have a 35-year career in broadcasting, both in the UK and in Spain. You'll hear some of my most memorable celebrity interviews and all the adventures I've had and the stories behind them. Like the time I delivered half a carcass of beef to Margaret Thatcher at 10 Downing Street and the time I carried a million pounds worth of diamonds on the tube in an old Sainsbury's bag on the way to a photo shoot with Lord Snowden at the Ritz. And yes, welcome to another episode of my podcast, Tales from a Very Minor Celebrity. Now, this week, you're going to hear two very different interviews from my archive. One is serious and one is very frivolous. The first is with champion javelin thrower Fatima Whitbread, and the second with Carol Smiley, the former presenter of Changing Rooms, the series which paved the way for a plethora of home improvement programs. First, though, Fatima Whitbread, who spoke to me not about athletics, not about javelin throwing, but adoption, something very close to her heart as she was adopted when she was a teenager. The interview is also notable because it was featured on Pick of the Week, the long-running Radio 4 programme, which features extracts from BBC radio programmes broadcast over the previous seven days and which are drawn from all of the BBC's national and local radio networks, as well as the BBC World Service. So to have one of your interviews chosen is quite a big thing. Fatima Whitbread was born in Stoke Newington to a Turkish Cypriot mother and a Greek Cypriot father. She grew up in a series of children's homes, occasionally being left in the care of her abusive biological mother, which you'll hear her talking about during our chat. At the age of 14, she was adopted by the family of Margaret Whitbread, her javelin coach. She broke the javelin world record with a throw of 77.44 metres in the qualifying round of the 1986 European Championships, where she also won the final, and became world champion in 1987. She became well known in the UK for her celebratory wiggle after defeating arch-rival Petra Felk. Her performances in 1987 led her to being voted winner of the BBC Sports Personality of the Year Award. Whitbread had won the silver medal in the inaugural World Championships in 1983, and she was also known for her rivalry with fellow British javelin thrower Tessa Sanderson, who won the gold medal at the 1984 Summer Olympics in Los Angeles, with Whitbread finishing in the bronze medal position. In the 1988 Olympics in Seoul, Whitbread won the silver medal behind Petra Felk, who had broken the world record in the interim. When she retired, she was a regular on TV and most notably in 2011 took part in the ITV show I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here! and came third. When I interviewed her, we spoke about adoption as she was promoting the benefits of fostering and adoption. You'll notice that in the interview, you actually hear very little from me. I edited out most of my questions before the interview was aired because she was such a great speaker and the interview flows so well that you don't really need to hear from me at all. 
Anyway, see what you think as we hear from Fatima Whitbread as she told me about her troubled childhood, which started when she was just a baby. Well, I was abandoned as a baby and some would say left to die. Uh, a neighbour reported uh, uh, to the police that there was a baby in, in, in a flat in London and nobody had been in or out for a few days and it was screaming the place down. So the police came and banged the door down and uh, took the baby to um, hospital where it stayed for three months for malnutrition and nappy rash. And of course that baby was myself and they made me a ward of court and uh, I spent the next 14 years in children's homes. For the first five years I was in Hertfordshire in children's home there and I was with, uh, what, 25 other children. So it just goes to show there are a lot of children out there right now even as we speak that are in great need of, of a loving secure family you crave for the love and 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 somebody special in your life instead, instead of being just one of, among very many and um, for me it was no different I mean emotionally I was in a lot of turmoil as were a lot of the other children the toys that you play with are used with everybody's yeah. toy box and yeah. communal clothes and, and feeding and so on it, it, it after a time you sort of get thinking well this isn't really what what I want I mean even at that young age um, you do tend to think that uh, where's your mummy or where's my daddy and you start asking questions to the sort of the aunties or the helpers that are there and you don't sort of get any real answers to your questions as it were so you kind of just go around in a bit of a daze really playing with all the other little boys and girls who are also emotionally disturbed too can be quite quite upsetting even at that age and I can remember young Michael Michael couldn't understand his his um, mum actually came uh, at weekends to visit and she bought him a little red bus and uh, Michael used to form this attachment to the bus and he didn't want any of the other children rightly so playing with it so he hid it under under the carpet and he couldn't understand why all the other children used to find it obviously I mean he used to cry a lot because he was emotionally disturbed and a lot of the other young young kids either wet the bed or used to bang their head on the back of the headboard what about schooling where did you go to school well at the age of five I was told by the house uh, parent the matron uh, at the um, home that I'd need to move on to another children's home and that I'd need to be in the reception area at nine o'clock in the morning because my biological mother was coming and she was going to take me with the social services to a new children's home where my half-brother and sister were. So that was the first I ever knew that I had an actual biological mother. And that was quite a big step for me, really, because having sort of got used to living in the children's home where I was, that was my home, that was my family, as it were. And suddenly, you know, there was... um, no reason for me to think that, that I had a, a biological mother and or a half-brother and sister. Mm. And when we moved down to Ockingham, which is where I um, spent the rest of my time in children's homes, I think I was a sort of very, uh, what I call, into my sport. And sport really was my saviour. So when I went to school, um, I was kind of a, sort of a, a little rascal because I spent a lot of time outside the headmaster's office. And academically, I wasn't wasn't silly but I didn't have what I call the support that I would possibly you know I could have excelled and done exceptionally well but because emotionally I was disturbed a lot I found it a lot easier to um to do my sport Mm. and enjoy my sport you know that was my savior and I spent a lot of my time playing in all the school netball teams and hockey teams sort of getting through my school work at class work at school but realising there was quite a big difference, you know, with the, my friends that had support from their parents yeah. and, uh, and, and us children that were in homes that uh, 
had to sort of survive it on their own, as it were. I just want to take you back to that that first meeting with your biological mother. That was quite a shock. Her her appearance, for one thing, was quite a shock to you. Yeah, definitely. I mean, because as youngsters, you you tend to think like fairy tale godmother. I mean, what would be your ideal mother? Because you spend enough time in children's homes wondering, have you got a mother or will you ever get a mother? And what would they be like? Mm. And of course, uh, my image was totally different from that of the the biological mother that arrived that morning. And of course, a very large lady, foreign speaking, who didn't have a smile to give to me and, and smelt terrible of what I call cheap scent. Even now, I can still vividly see that image. Really what killed it for me was when we went down to Ockenden in that period that it took us to drive um, from from Hertfordshire down to Ockenden. um, I spent most of the time looking out the window crying. Of course, when we got to the home, we sort of introduced... And my introduction was uh, in the garden um, and the biological mother said, this is your half-sister, you better look after us, I'm going to cut your throat. Not long after that, she asked for me to go back, or the social services thought it might be a good idea for me to go back for a visit. And she came down one one weekend and we got halfway down to, to the bus station. And she sort of stopped in her tracks and reached for her bag. And she she pulled out what was, what was then an old ten pence. And she said, uh, I won't tell the words that she said, the adjectives, you'll beep, beep, off, because we don't love you. Um, you're not our family, so go back to the home. So I was quite upset at the time. But then again, I was quite pleased as well, because I got 10 pence. And I wasn't really too keen on going anyway. <laughs> so I walked back to the home, and uh, the auntie said to me, what are you doing back so early? What's up? Don't they want you either? And oh, so I oh. kind of thought, well, this is a great lie. <laughs> Um, But then, of course, there was another occasion where I had made a visit to um, against uh, my will at 11 years old and uh, and against also the will of one of the um, part time housekeepers there at the home um, to the social services, pleading with them not to go back um, on a visit. And I was uh, sexually abused by the biological mother's lover and uh, I don't have any contact with them and I don't wish to. um, But there's been a lot of happiness in my life in in uh, the love and the security that I found in in the Whitbread family and being adopted at the age of 14 and it would be nice to think that all children out there had that same chance in life where they were you know in a loving secure family I mean I would say that if you are looking if there are parents out there looking to adopt not necessarily need to adopt a child a baby they can actually adopt teenagers as well it can be just as rewarding Fatima Whitbread, who went on to have great success despite that awful start to her life. Now, Carol Smiley, who I interviewed just after she left the iconic BBC programme Changing Rooms, which was recently revived by Channel 4. I'm sure many of you listening will remember the programme, the premise of which was for couples to swap houses with friends or neighbours, with each pair decorating one room in each other's homes. The show began on BBC Two on the 4th of September 1996 before transferring to BBC One for the start of the third series in 1998. The final edition was broadcast on the 22nd of November 2004 after a successful eight-year, 17-series run. Changing Rooms was originally hosted by my guest Carol Smiley and assisting with the remodelling was a Cockney carpenter. Do you remember? Handy Andy Kane. 
One of the former designers of the show, Lawrence Llewellyn Bowen, took over presenting from Smiley in 2003 for series 14 and 15. Handy Andy went on to host his own DIY shows. I spoke to Carol Smiley in late 2003 as we were approaching Christmas and we immediately clicked. Although the interview was done over the phone, it was still great fun as you will hear. How do you spend Christmas actually? Normally, actually, at home in Glasgow, with we've got three children, yeah. Um, and as now have been really too young to think about slipping all the way to the other end of the country <laughs> to be with other factions of the family because it's just such a big up people. We have the youngest children in in the bigger picture yeah. family. So, yeah. um, but this Christmas we're going to go down to my brother-in-law's house in Sheffield and uh, and take everything with us. Does he know? <laughs> <laughs> actually you know what I think he does oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. he thinks I'm going to redecorate all of you. <laughs> yes. oh, that'll be right now I'm glad you spoke about decorating ah. yes changing rooms yeah why did you leave I know oh, don't, Carol, don't don't please I left for a number of reasons really the main one being that I've done it for seven years hard to believe oh, no. but seven years and 124 shows I just felt it's quite hard to look surprised now <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Oh, it's purple <laughs> again. Yeah. Um, and I just felt that it needed it needed a kick up the backside. It needed to be changed, and um, it wasn't going to change as long as I was with it because I I was always doing the same thing. So yeah. by virtue of of leaving, it has changed, and it's for the better. I think Lawrence has breathed new life into it. Never thought I'd say that to him, but he has. Because when we first started. There were like no other programs like that at all. And yeah. then a few came on the scene and they weren't very good. They were kind of blatantly copying us, but badly. Carol Vorderman. No, 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 no. <laughs> not at all. Uh, and then, but now it's different. You see, a whole new world has opened up and there's some really good shows out there doing completely different things, but yeah. on a similar vein. So um, I felt it's time to move on. Always better to leave on a high, I think. Absolutely. Do you know what I miss most, though? You sitting down with a sewing machine because you are quite nifty in the old well, sewing machine. Very nifty in the old sewing machine. I know. I was, I really, oh, I've got, I, I've got two at home. Uh, really? Yeah. Do it in stereo. <laughs> no one was my old one. Then I bought till I bought the super scooped up supersonic version. Have you got one of these ones you can download onto your computer and yeah. it does it all for you? Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. Do you know what? This Friday coming up, I've been making a. Halloween costumes with it. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you would be so rich that you could just farm this out oh, to some yeah. poor woman living in the Highlands. <laughs> she could do it for you. You're doing people out of work here. Are you thought I'd be so rich? Yes. I think not. Oh, I think so. I would get a grip here. <laughs> get a grip. Um, but, yeah, I, th I think, actually, um, Lawrence has done quite a good job. I think it's a little bit more, I don't know, educational now. Yes. A little bit more high, bro. He brings a touch of class to it. <laughs> no, 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 no. But we miss the teeth and the smile. Oh, thank you. Yeah. He's not got his own teeth. You know that, don't you? I know. I know. It's quite well documented. You know, we that. No. <laughs> oh, now sure. that he's got his shirts all scrubbed clean on that TV ad, you know, I he's know. Uh, he's taken over the world. Tell me, when are we going to see you on proper television again? <laughs> <laughs> you can't say that. I, can't, I think I've just did. Well, you'll see me on obviously on this program on UK TV on Christmas Day, and you'll see me on Dream Holiday Home on Channel Five this Friday. What about Proper TV? That is Proper TV. It's Channel Five. <laughs> <laughs> Carol, oh, thanks very much. No All right, you take care. Bye. Bye bye. 
the lovely Carol Smiley, who in 2018 became a humanist celebrant and conducts non-religious weddings, funerals and baby namings. So that's this week's Tales from a Very Minor Celebrity. Now next week you'll be hearing from two American child actors who both starred in two of my favourite cult TV programmes from the 60s. The first is Butch Patrick, who played Eddie Munster in The Munsters, and Billy Moomy, who was the young star of the original Lost in Space series. He played Will Smith, and he also starred opposite Hollywood legend James Stewart in a film that featured Bridget Bardot called Dear Bridget, and he has the distinction of being the first American actor to share an on-screen kiss with the French beauty at the tender age of just eight. See, she turned 30 when we were making that that project, so uh, she was certainly an awesome side of feminine reality. Were you too young to appreciate it, though? (laughs) No, I wasn't, and I'll tell you, one of the funny moments I remember there sitting there and uh, kind of checking out her cleavage and, (laughs) and enjoying the view. That's the Monsters vs. Lost in Space next week in Tales from a Very Minor Celebrity. 